It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson. Are you ready to get real, break through, and learn how to make your midlife the best time of your life? Take on those life challenges and turn them into opportunities? Let's rock. Here's Dr. Ellen. Hey, everybody, Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife. And I have a question for you. Are you feeling strong? Because we have two amazing, badass women today who are going to help you strengthen your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit. Um, Because this is October and it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I am talking with two incredible women. They are breast cancer thrivers, Vera Venture and Sarah Haas, who are going to inspire you to view suffering and challenges as opportunities to rise. Both of them were young and healthy and active and shocked when they learned that they had breast cancer. Rather than letting cancer destroy them, they faced their diagnosis and got stronger. So I want to talk a little bit about getting stronger. And I love the quote from Kelly Clarkson and also Nietzsche that says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, so often we at Midlife focus on what's wrong with us. We focus on our weaknesses. We feel like we have to correct things. And I'm here to say, let's focus on our strengths. Actually, the psychological research really shows that focusing on your weaknesses absolutely doesn't work. You don't get better at what you're not good at. In contrast, when you focus on your strengths, when you know yourself and you work on your strengths and you allow yourself to use them in new ways, particularly when you're challenged, they really do grow. And there's so much um, in kind of various religious and, and spiritual traditions about moving from strength to strength. It's actually a blessing in Judaism that says, you know, may you move from strength to strength and get stronger. There's a, um, a saying in Kundalini Yoga called Wa Hey Guru, which is just like, yay, God, when challenges happen, you're just like, okay, God, I, I got this thing. And you really moving from strength to strength is the key to empowerment. It's the key to be empowered from within, to summon those strengths. And so before we dive in and talk to our amazing guests, I want to do a little exercise. If you aren't driving, go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to think about where you were six months ago. Let's take a moment, think about it. What were you challenged with? What were you going through? And then think about where you were at two to three years ago, you know, around the time of the pandemic, thinking about what strengths did I use to get through this challenging time that all of us face, that's that common humanity element of self-compassion. We all face so much during COVID. Think about maybe five years ago. Like, look at how much you've grown in the last five years. And then consider 10 years ago. So see your former self. This is a great way to actually transform in the present and the future is actually look at the incredible strengths that you use to get you through. And when you have a chance, you may want to, after the the podcast, grab a journal and write about it. Look at these various times in your life over the last decade or so. Look at how much you've grown. Think about what got me through. Now, personally, I was diagnosed with breast cancer six months ago to the day. It was my son's 21st birthday. I had just had my podcast for about, um, I think, two weeks or three weeks before getting diagnosed. And 
I really utilized my strengths to get me through. My my top strengths and really my core values really are self-compassion, spirituality, and wellness. And self-compassion was so important. Self-compassion, I talk about a lot, but it really is a parachute and a life vest. It is a parachute so that when you are taking risks and doing things to grow and get stronger, you know you can pick yourself up. So you're more likely to take some risks, to get outside your comfort zone, to be resilient, which, you know, at midlife, let's face it, we get super stuck. And sometimes it's really hard to do what scares us, but it's also a life vest. So if you do have a health diagnosis or if you get, you know, are going through divorce, which I also went through about five years ago, then, you know, you've got this amazing ability to treat yourself the way you would a good friend. And so often over the last six months, I've just like, my, whoops, there I go, I'm hitting my mic there, I put my hand on my heart and just was like, Ellen, this sucks not to make the pain go away, but just because going through a health crisis or any crisis is so incredibly difficult. When you treat yourself like a good friend, you have such an amazing resource. So my self-compassion helped me through my spirituality, trying to find meaning, right? Trying to find meaning when we're going through COVID or going through a health issue or going through a breakup with someone we love or death of a parent. So many things that we face at midlife, spirituality can really help you to connect with your higher power, with God, whatever you call uh, that. And also to find some meaning in what you're doing and also maybe purpose seeing, Hey, can I help other people through what I've been going through? And I've found a lot of comfort in knowing I'm helping other people who are experiencing breast cancer and then wellness. Wellness is so important to me. And whenever I'm going through things, instead of saying, Oh, I don't have time for self-care. I do the opposite. I say, God, I've got to double down on the self-care. And certainly through radiation, it was like nappy time every afternoon. And uh, when I've been getting infusions for my breast cancer, making sure that I'm, you know, staying hydrated, taking the time to care for myself, getting enough sleep, all of those things are so important. So take some time and think about, wow, look how far I've come. Really celebrate your successes and take a look at your strengths and see, okay, how do I use those strengths moving forward? And how can I get even stronger? So speaking of strengths, I am so excited to introduce you to Vera Ventura. She is a stage four metastasized breast cancer survivor, and she's got an amazing story. She went to Skidmore and then Harvard College, and she specializes in mindset coaching, non-toxic living, chemotherapy detox, nutritional healing, and bridging the gap between Western medicine and natural plant healing, which I absolutely love because I've been using both, getting the conventional stuff, but getting my vitamin C infusions and using my essential oils, which I'm sure she'll have a lot to talk about. And she is an avid meditator. She is a yoga practitioner and she teaches numerous yoga classes and healing workshops. And she's also been in a 12-step program since 2004 that addresses all her addictions, whereby she is sober from all mood-altering substances, which led the way for a deep spiritual connection with the divine. In her spare time, as if she has spare time with all of that, she loves watching documentaries about history, traveling, and spending time with her husband, Joe, a filmmaker, and her two children, Alma, Vida, and Asher. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Vera. Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it, and I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. 
yes, I'm so grateful to meet you because I've come from your neck of the woods. You live in Somerville now, but I uh, lived in Arlington for years and Mm -hmm. actually lived in Teal Square in Somerville for a while. My sister just moved from Mm -hmm. Somerville to Rhode Island. So I love that neck of the woods. And um, I was so fortunate to meet both our guests today through Linda Joy, who is a creator of Aspire Magazine and all kinds of wonderful resources for women, who's going to be on our show in November. And she connected us because I wrote the forward to a book that you wrote a chapter for. Can you tell us a little bit about that and about your cancer journey, which you discuss in the uh, Midlife Mojo book? Yeah, well, The book is about women in their midlife journey and profound experiences, or maybe not even that profound, but experiences. (laughs) And um, I was called to write about what I've been through. And I had a journey before uh, getting diagnosed with cancer, but this sort of propelled me in a whole new dimension (laughs) So that's what the book is about. It's going to be released November 15th. We're very excited about it. And um, yeah. I can't read. I haven't read your chapter, but I'm looking forward to it. So you got diagnosed really early. We both actually have something called the BRCA gene mutation. And I think think you're an Ashkenazi too. I know I am. And it's actually one in 40 uh, women of Ashkenazi Jewish descent actually have this gene, which if you do have it, uh, the mutation actually increases your risk of breast cancer as well as a whole host of other cancers. So I know this was a surprise to you. Can you tell us that you were diagnosed early? Tell us about the diagnosis and your journey so far. Sure, of course. Um, So yes, it's prevalent in Ashkenazi women. However, women who are not Ashkenazi also can inherit the gene. And the person who made it like really famous was Angelina Jolie. And she wrote a op-ed piece about about how people should be tested uh, for BRCA. Women should be tested for BRCA and should have the option for prophylactic surgery to remove uh, breast and ovaries because you also have a higher rate of ovarian cancer. So for some people, that's their first exposure to learning about the genetic components of breast cancer. But there's a lot of different genetic mutations, and we're still sort of trying to understand about them. When my mother passed away from breast cancer, she didn't know what kind of genetic breast cancer she didn't have. When my father passed away from um, pancreatic cancer, he didn't know it, anything about this because it's all this genetic testing is, is new. And how would you know if you don't have a predisposition or you, you just didn't know? So in my case, I had no idea, right? I had no idea until I found a like, lump and I was breastfeeding my daughter. And that's why it's really important you know, the whole activism around like, check your breast, check your breast. By the way, did you check your breast? Did you check your breast? You know, and they say, start, start young, like eight, you know, even 16, 17 year old girls should just start getting into the habit of feeling it. Was I a heavy breast checker? No, I wasn't, to be honest. I was constantly breastfeeding my babies. I know that. that. Constantly around my breast, but I wasn't someone who was feeling it, except when I went to go you know, to get a pap smear or something or go into um, my general doctor. But I couldn't deny the fact that I had a big lump. And at first I went to the doctor. They were like, oh, yeah, it's probably, uh, you know, it wasn't a specialist. I think he said, yes, it's probably a blocked milk duck, which is what I thought it was. So that's why it's important, ladies. 
If you think it's a block dip milk duck, please still get it checked out. Um, and then I went a second time because it kept, I started breastfeeding on the opposite side while I'm like, well, I guess that one is not going to work out. Let me, let me try this side, but it still stayed pretty, pretty solid, whatever it was. I didn't think in a minute it was cancer, like in a second, in a millisecond, I did not even, it did not even cross my mind. Again, I was a pinnacle of health, right? I had joined a 12-step program when I was uh, 24. I completely let go of processed flour, sugar, anything mood-altering, flour, you know, um, alcohol, drugs, you know. I was a yoga teacher. I meditate daily. I mean, there was, you know, it was not in my conception. It wasn't on my vision board either. I totally get you there. (laughs) So it wasn't, it was so not, I didn't even think about it. Until one day I went to go see my friend and she had a tumor and um, she was doing everything natural to to help with this tumor. And I said, I feel something here. She said, you should get it checked out. I was like, no, no, no. She's like, you should get it checked out. (laughs) So it was always friends kind of like pushing me to do things because I'm very like, no, I'm good. I'm going to just take care of it myself. I'm all set. Thank you very much. Um, So I, so again, the second time I went back and they said, okay, let's order the mammogram and all that. And then it was, you know, through the mammogram where they smush your little booby into like a chicken cutlet. Um, And you're like, what? How is this okay? Um, And then it was, you know, discovered or whatever through that, through that process that there were two masses on both sides. So it was bilateral. And they don't say it's cancer in that moment, but they give you that, you got to wait, you got to, you got to give that waiting time. And at this time, my husband was in Saudi Arabia so it was just me and my children. And when they called me in to uh, get the, the results, right, like I was going to get some sort of award, I did bring my children, which I don't, again, I don't recommend bringing your children when you're finding out you have a diagnosis like cancer. But I think I, I brought them as a way that I would maintain my, who I was through it, no matter what. You know, yeah, I, I love I, that too. That's a really important point yeah. that whatever you're going through, I found myself you need to maintain that sense of self Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. you're going through it because the first uh, place you go is this fear tunnel where like everything kind of starts to spin and like, who am I? And you become identified as a breast cancer patient rather than like, you're still Vera, you're still that same self. So I totally understand why you might have had your kids. Right, exactly. So then, you know, they stick you in a room with somebody and- and it's not necessarily a doctor. It could be like a nurse practitioner. And that's who delivers the news. At least for me, it was. Okay. And then, of course, it's just like, <sighs> and I think that is the hardest time in, in this cancer journey. I don't want to say my journey because my cancer, I don't, I don't want to own it. I still don't like to say my diagnosis. I don't like to add my to it. I just say the journey, whatever. So I think that's the hardest time because then you really don't know what stage you are. You don't know like if you're going to drop dead tomorrow. You just have no idea what's going to happen. So that is the the most uh, vulnerable time. And did I have an emotional response? Of course I did. I think if I didn't, I would be a robot. So I cried, but I didn't call. Like I, who who do you talk to in that moment? So my husband was in Saudi Arabia. I didn't talk to my husband. I called. 
uh, I actually called my sponsor in my 12 step program because that has been a ser- like a surrogate mother for me because my, my own family of origin is very, uh, has a lot of, um, dysfunction. So I called somebody who would really support me. And then I also called an, another fellow who had gone through, um, her own diagnosis as well. So that's important to start to sort of you know, create this beautiful nest, no matter what you're going through, whether it's cancer or whatever, any in life, you should have your community lined up. So when proverbial shit hits the fan, which it does, because that's life, that you have someone you can call and say, this is what's going on. And I just let the tears fall and the person listened on the other line. And I felt that I had, uh, I had the support and that I was reminded that God is in charge. So whatever you believe in, and someone listening to this call, that might be a very uncomfortable word to hear the word God. So whatever it is, something greater than yourself, like the universal force, mother nature, your cat, anything that's greater, greater than you, as long as you are not the center of everything and the ego is not so big, everything becomes more into perspective. So having that awareness really allowed me for the next chapter of like the uncovery of like this whole and that's what it is it's like a book right and every page every chapter you're just learning a little bit more learning a little bit more and you're like inspector gadget you know sort of researching and understanding okay what is this and what is this and what is it is what is it so back to your initial question about the BRCA BRAC1 right so the doctors were like, very strange. You are really healthy. You have bilateral. You're not even 40 yet. You should really get genetic testing. However, you still have to wait with this time because genetic testing takes weeks and weeks and weeks, right? But you're still left with this diagnosis, right? Yeah, I had the same thing. I actually found out I had it. And then I talked to my brother and he had done 23 Me. He hadn't done the BRCA piece, but he was able to just get that quickly and he had it. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. You have to make, you know, and it's interesting because the oncological world, all this whole world of people who are looking to combat that cancer aren't really that interested in what will happen down the road with another cancer? I found that that was a real, one of my biggest difficulties is trying to communicate that I have to I have to keep my level of wellness and my toxicity, my wellness up, my toxicity low so I don't get another cancer because I've, I've chosen to keep my breasts at this point. So that was, yeah, it's, it's, it's confusing. You've got this hefty diagnosis and on top of it, determining what are you going to do in terms of genetic testing? Exactly. So at that point, they order the genetic test. So I go to the hospital and how cool in this hospital they had free acupuncture. Just want to make a side note of that. <laughs> that is cool. And we're was... starting to do that here at UVM. They actually um, are getting an acupuncturist in where they do the chemo now. And it's so, I mean, complimentary is so amazing for both treatment as well as to mitigate a lot of the side effects of treatment. Rarity. That's yeah. So that was cool. a rare, that was a rarity, but notable. So So then, you know, they give you this like sheet that you fill out and it's like Island Pacificer, you know, Native American, Ashkenazi Jew, you know, (laughs) and I'd never actually filled out any sort of form that I needed to specify was that I was, I was Ashkenazi Jew. I'm actually half Sephardic and half Ashkenazi. So Ashkenazi, if your listeners are wondering what, what does that mean? It's not just a fun word to say, uh, it, uh, Jews from Eastern Europe right? Jews from back in the day who originated Eastern Europe, 
Initially, everyone was from Middle East, but then they kind of spread out in diaspora. Sephardic Jews gravitated more towards the Iberian Peninsula, um, Turkey, Spain, Morocco. Those are what we call a Sephardic Jew. So I am a mixture of Sephardic and Ashkenazi. All the cancer that exists is on my Sephardic side. No cancer exists really on my Ashkenazi. So that's interesting. I still, I still filled it out, right? Of course. It did turn out that I was positive. And I must say that three weeks of waiting, you uh, are like a little bit of a cuckoo bird in your head because you don't know if it's genetic or if it's been something you're doing. And you're like, it's the fish. I know it's the fish. Oh, I know it. it was. I know it's the water. Oh, I know it's that stress from that job I had five years ago. Um, you know, so there's all sorts. And it's like, again, the genetic testing and getting the confirmation Sadly to say, it was a little bit of a relief, a little bit. Still, I'm still very active in all those areas of prevention, but I must say it was a nice little gift of relief. Not to say that that was any consolation prize, knowing that you have a high, I have a way higher genetic predisposition. But in any event, um, Yes. So then it just so then you you had a double um, mastectomy and chemo and all the things and then so first was first was the uh, chemotherapy. However, you had to convince me to do chemotherapy. It wasn't like an innate like uh, yes, I will do anything you say. It was not like that. Um, it took a lot of convincing. I also didn't want to lose my hair. I had really long curly hair. It's starting to grow back. I mean, pretty pretty nicely. But yes, I didn't want to lose my hair. I found out about the cold cap. So if your viewers don't know about or listeners don't know about it, cold cap can freeze your hair follicle and save some of your hair during the chemotherapy process. The chemotherapy I had has 100% hair loss. So the fact that I could save some of my hair was remarkable. And it took a lot of uh, convincing, but finally I, I did decide to do the, uh, the chemotherapy. And then after that... Um, I did the double mastectomy. It was also during the pandemic. So there was a lot of uh, initially support, you know, with a friend visiting and people, you know, wow, showing up really and, and bring, bringing me food. But then it slipped into pandemic mode, like the beginning of the pandemic and everyone was afraid of their own shadow. So anything to do with like hospitals or, you know, was, but I still had to get treatment. Um, so initially I was going to have a deep reconstruction, which is where they take the fat from your abdomen and place it into your, um, boot to make boobs. Uh, so you don't have to have implants. So it's also actually all natural. Uh, however, because of the pandemic that was considered elective surgery. So then therefore I had them separated. So initially I did the double mastectomy, then waited months and months, and then eventually did the reconstruct, um, the deep reconstruction. And then you had, then it metastasized to your brain. So yeah. So then um, after chemotherapy, they give you a little certificate and they're like, congratulations, you are amazing. And you're done. Ring a bell. We didn't have a bell. I got a certificate. Um, it's like a diploma. It's like graduating. And, um, and Easier then, than Harvard though, I'm sure. <laughs> and then they opened, uh, they opened it up and chopped. So they take your tumor and they chop it up they it's like hibachi no i'm just kidding they don't hibachi it but they chop it up 
they dissect it and check to see what's going on. It turned out that my diagnosis, oh, sorry, I said my, the diagnosis had changed from HER2 negative to HER2 positive. So that meant extra chemotherapy. And what I learned about, what I learned about chemotherapy, what I learned about HER2 positive is this would have been like a death sentence years and years ago. And most likely this is what my grandmother had. It is so hard to treat, but now they have these miracle drugs that make it, um, uh, you know, uh, make it so you can live. So I think the immense amount of gratitude I had throughout this journey is um, is something I am so blessed to have because I never felt connected to this whole idea of hashtag cancer sucks or hashtag fuck cancer. I felt that it was really important to viewed all this with positive energy and light. So my gratitude to know that it had switched and then there was a way that I could actually target that was amazing. So I was also on um, chemotherapy while I was also in treatment to get the deep reconstruction and the double mastectomy. So I think, should we wait? Um, to talk a little bit more about the, uh, do you have any questions about that? We have a that? couple of minutes. So, I yeah. mean, no, I, I have a good sense of it. I want to get a little bit more to how you use mindfulness and yoga too. And I saw these wonderful pictures. If you want to check Vera out on Instagram and your various, and your website, you've got some amazing pictures of you doing yoga poses, getting your magic back. Oh, I yes. kind of would love to know how you kind of got back to being yourself. Yeah, so after the break, I'm going to tell you guys about how it metastasized. But before that, regarding meditation, regarding yoga, I never stopped practicing through the whole journey. So every morning, I would still do my practice of meditation 30 minutes, even if I had stitches and and uh, bandages. It doesn't matter. Like I could still sit and 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 be mindful. And do I listen to music or no, I just sit and observe my breath and observe what's going on in my head. And that way you can see like, oh, there's fear or there's anxiety or there's stress. And the whole idea is to just melt that away. So there's no, no evidence of stress in the body. And that's easier said than done sometimes, but stress, it causes inflammation and that you, when you want to avoid disease, that's the first place to go is reducing stress. So that was always a standard and that was not negotiable. As far as yoga, there's only so much you can do once you've had surgery. So sometimes it would be just little baby steps, like baby steps, like maybe taking a walk or uh, bending, you know, bending forward. But anything that revolved around heart openers, which is opening up the chest would be avoided. But I did what I could so I would bounce back really like efficiently <laughs> after all the surgeries. Um, so does that answer your question regarding? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I know uh, for me, I know that there was a moment I had where uh, I had been diagnosed and I hadn't had anything done yet, but I was in a yoga class and I just was like, my body still works great. There's this issue going on in my left breast, but the rest of me works great. But we have just a minute. I'm just curious. I was going to come back and we are going to be talking with Sarah and sharing her story. Of course. How did you reclaim your magic? 
how did you use your strengths to kind of, because you're obviously very magical, very spiritual, very connected with goddess energy. How did you get your magic back? I don't know. I don't think the magic ever left. So how did you maintain that magic? Again, I think it's that foundational uh, connection to a higher power and that belief in that, um, that there, there's something greater out there than, than just me, that there's so much more. And then gratitude, like constant gratitude, um, that there was never a moment that I wasn't grateful for the experience of the blessings that I, I, I was given. So looking at the positives, using your strength of your spirituality and also all of your knowledge around natural health and well-being, as well as just connecting to all that is and seeing that, you know what, something, what do I have, what do I have control over and what don't I have control over, which is we certainly have, regardless, we have control over our mindset and we have control over some of the actions that we take. So thank you for sharing your story. We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking with Sarah Haas, who is also a breast cancer survivor, who has a different story and I think a different take. And she's also going to be asking Vera questions. So stick with us. We're going to give you more inspiration to use your strengths to overcome your challenges. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Midlife can be challenging. You may be sandwiched between growing kids and aging parents, dealing with menopause and trying to find work-life balance. Or maybe your life looks good on the outside, but inside you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and wondering how to get your confidence and joy back. You need someone to help you get real, discover who you are, and navigate life. Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm here to help. I've worked with hundreds of midlife women, went from surviving to thriving at midlife myself, and literally wrote the book on this pivotal time period, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. Think of me as the one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. I'm a psychologist, nutritionist, and board-certified health and wellness coach with 30 years of experience empowering midlife women. I provide nutrition consults, life coaching, and free resources to help you transform your body, your mind, your career, and your relationships. Feeling stuck? I can help you figure out how to live authentically with joy, passion, and purpose. Every Wednesday here on Voice America, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I share my passion for making the most of midlife and my expertise on the most pressing midlife issues from changing family relationships, managing stress, and securing enough resources to rediscovering yourself. I also interview experts from around the world to help you navigate your life. For more information, please visit my website, themidlifewhisperer.com, for fabulous resources, including my free gift, 10 Tips to Rock Your Midlife. That's themidlifewhisperer.com. Hope to see you there soon. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety.
You are listening to Rock Your Midlife with Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Have a question for Dr. Ellen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Ellen, the Midlife Whisperer. Welcome back. Dr. Ellen here, the Midlife Whisperer. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, please leave me a review. Tell me what you like about the show, the kind of guests you'd like to hear. I love to read your feedback. And before the break, we were talking with Sarah, with, I'm sorry, Vera Ventura about her breast cancer journey. And now we are going to be talking with Sarah Haas, who is a women's weight release and body lip coach. She's an integrative nutrition health coach, a certified personal trainer, and a podcast host and speaker. And I had the privilege of being on her podcast, which actually launches today. And she draws on her education on and personal experience as a 50-year-old single mom and breast cancer survivor to walk alongside midlife women to guide and support them to become healthy, vibrant, and unapologetically confident. Her holistic approach to creating overall health integrates nutrition, body movement, self-care, self-compassion, and body love to empower her clients to step into the sexy, authentic, joyful life they deserve. Welcome to Rock Your Midlife, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. And I want to thank you also just for bringing this message to people and having this conversation because it's so important and it's something that so many women need to hear. Yeah. And I want to reiterate too, that like early detection is so important. Um, I was super lucky. I have my mammograms every year. And then I also had a breast density and mine was discovered so early. So um, yeah, get your mammogram. Yes, you your breast does get a little bit like a cutlet, as Farrah was saying, as like a chicken cutlet, you get squished, but it really is not a hard ordeal. I love what one of my clients does is every time she has a mammogram, she treats herself to something fun afterwards. So get that mammogram, then hang out with a girlfriend, take yourself out to lunch, buy yourself a new outfit, just do something to sort of reward yourself. So I know that you have a question for Vera. Uh, we were talking about that during the break. So if you want to go ahead and, and ask Vera, uh, Sarah has a question for you. Yes, absolutely. So right before the break, you had uh, mentioned briefly that you had um, the cancer metastasized to your brain. And I, uh, you know, that is very scary. And that's a fear that I have of, I'm sure anyone with cancer has, uh, the, the cancer that I had was stage two a, and it is gone. I'm cancer free, but I grapple with that fear all the time. You know, the fear of it coming back, the, you know, the what ifs. And I just wanted to ask you, what do you do to deal with that fear? Great question. Thank you so much. Um, it was never even in my conception until it started happening and I lost control of my body and I was not able to walk or, and I would, I passed out and I basically was deemed unconscious. So I think it's one of those situations where you can um, meet it with fear, but in this situation, uh, I, it just, it was so physical, physical, it was so physical and I was in so much pain from it that I, it was, it deemed me uh, at some, at one point in con unconscious. 
Um, so I didn't have any time to expect it. Does that make sense? Like I didn't have time to sit in any fear because I, I had, um, the reaction so quickly. Um, and then I had to, once it, thank you, God, it was removed. But once it was removed, then I had to regain, uh, uh, coordination on my left side. And as a yoga teacher, you can imagine how uh, humbling that was to learn how to balance and move on the left side. And I went to rehab um, that being said, uh, early detection, uh, full body scanning is the best way to go in that, in that situation, just to know, uh, if you're clear because chemotherapy, most chemotherapy does not pass the blood brain barrier. And I'm a huge advocate now. And I, and I take every day I take glutathione because it is the body's most powerful antioxidant. And that actually does cross the blood-brain barrier. And it's a way that I feel really confident with my own prevention. I also do use the essential oils and, of course, all the the stress reduction that I mentioned. But on a daily basis, I feel really secure in the choices that I've made. I'm also plant-based. I don't eat meat anymore, dairy for the most part. So those daily choices every day, Sarah, um, I hope that answered your question. It does, because I think a big part of the fear and just what is so hard about having cancer is the loss of control and anything that you can do. And I found this all along the journey, anything that you can do to give yourself a sense of control really calms you down. And, you know, whether it's your nutrition or your exercise or meditation, mindfulness, whatever you can do treatments or alternative therapies. It's very helpful to have some things that you do have control over. It starts with breathing. I find that, you know, when I feel fear, I have those, you know, those uh, fears that it's coming back. I do, you know, a lot of what Vera was saying of knowing like, okay, why God's in charge, right? If God wants to take me out, I don't think that that this is my time. I really want to be healthy at a hundred. Um, I'm secure in that, you know, I can, like you said, I can do what I can do. And uh, keeping your, uh, your parasympathetic, your rest and digest nervous system, you have control of that. It can be as simple as taking a breath or two, doing some breath work, doing some meditation, taking a walk in nature, cuddling your pet. There is so much that you can do. And it's so important because the minute you get that diagnosis, you get this in this tunnel of fear, this absolute tunnel. And you need also that support of other people who can pat you on the back and tell you it's going to be, it's going to be okay. So let's talk a little bit about your story. Um, Briefly, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your diagnosis and how you got through it? Yes, absolutely. So my diagnosis happened in 2019 and it came out of nowhere for me. I, I had very, almost no family history, no experience with breast cancer. I was 47. I was doing all the things. I'm a health coach. I'm a fitness trainer. I was teaching classes at the gym, eating well, taking care of my mental health, doing yoga, meditating, all the things. And I never in a million years imagined myself as a cancer patient. But 
with my story, I had fibrocystic breasts or dense breast tissue. And since this happened to me, I have talked to so many women who also have dense breasts. I thought it was rare. I thought that this was, you know, just very few people had it. And just to to interrupt you briefly, dense breasts are a double whammy. First of all, you get a lot more uh, false negatives. So people who it's harder to read the mammogram and also having dense breasts puts you at a greater risk of getting breast cancer. Yes. Yes. And what I regret about that is not educating myself a little more. I asked the doctor, you know, what causes this? Why, why is there, why are mine dense? And they said, Oh, we don't know. You know, maybe it's because you drink too much caffeine. Well, I drink one cup of coffee a day. So that wasn't it. And they're, they said you do have an increased risk of breast cancer. Um, and the very first mammogram I had, they had me do an ultrasound afterwards because the mammogram shows if there are any lumps or any dense places, but it doesn't show whether it's solid or liquid. And so they had me do an ultrasound afterwards, which showed all of them were liquid filled, which means non-cancerous. And subsequent mammograms that I had, they did not do the ultrasound afterwards. They said, oh, it still looks fibrocystic. You're fine. Go on your way. And before I was diagnosed, I actually had had a mammogram one month before. Wow. And they told me everything was fine. I didn't question it. It was exactly what I wanted to hear. I went on my way. But And with the fibrocystic breasts, I had lumps all the time, lots and lots of lumps. They were, there were big ones. There were small ones. They would grow, they would shrink. So it was always changing. So I would do breast exams, but I had no idea what was going on in there. And so I wasn't worried about it. And I had a lump that was really bothering me. And I kept having this persistent, like, you should go check this out. You should a little niggling, a little, you know, intuition that was saying, you know, your mammogram came out. Okay. But like, this is bothering you. And they had told me that they could drain the fluid if one of them got too uncomfortable because they would grow. And, you know, some of them would be like even golf ball sized. And so I was thinking about, okay, maybe I should go get this fluid drained out because it's really bothering me. It's getting uncomfortable, but I put it off because it was out of pocket cost and, you know, high deductible insurance, blah, 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 blah. Looking back, I wish that I had done more research and also advocated for myself in insisting on the ultrasound every single year after I had the mammogram. Yeah, I got the so, letter to get the breast density. And I was like you, I was, you know, I'm a dietitian, I'm a board certified right. health and wellness coach. I was like, I had no family history and I kind of put it through it in a drawer and then COVID hit. And then I finally got it. My mammogram was negative in uh in October. And then I was diagnosed in April. So yeah, I think it's 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 so important that we're talking about this because it's something that's very new, this whole breast density piece mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. So I went and, you know, had the ultrasound because I was going to get that what I thought was a fluid filled cyst drained. And that is when they discovered that it was in fact a solid mass and it was cancerous and that it had spread to 
at least one lymph node. And they later, after more testing, realized that it had spread to several lymph nodes, but nowhere else. So I was uh, considered stage 2A. And I did get the genetic testing. And fortunately, unlike you, Dr. Ellen and you, Vera, I did not test positive for any of the, the gene mutations. So I was worried about that because I have a daughter, I have a sister, and and I was young. So I went and got all the testing, and that was a big, that was a big relief. But I will say that when I got, I got the diagnosis over the phone because I called because I was kind of like, I, I want to know, you know, they did this ultrasound, they did this biopsy, you know, what's going on. I hadn't heard anything. And I called and, and um, she told me over the phone and then had me come in. And you, you were saying earlier that it's so important to have that community around you, those people that can support you. And, you know, I immediately called my mom and I didn't even say what was wrong. I was like, mom, oh my God. And she went, I'll be right there. And she hung up, but she lives 45 minutes away. And I also called my partner who is a teacher and he was at school and couldn't leave right away. But I was like, I need you. I need you. And he's like, okay. And he immediately, but in the meantime, I had a good 45 minutes to an hour by myself. And first thing I did was go outside and I wrapped my arms around this tree that's in my yard because I needed something. I needed somebody and the nature has always been a very calming presence for me and a tree with its roots and its strength and its being so solid and stable just really like helped calm my nervous system. And that was something, you know, Vera, you were saying that it's so important to constantly be doing that because stress exacerbates everything, whether it's cancer, whether it's, you know, heart, heart disease, it's bad for your health. The root of everything. It is. We do need some stress, but when we have too much of it, it creates inflammation everywhere in the body. And that inflammation leads to dis-ease. So that tree, the tree hugging. And so, and then consequently, I think we had talked previously, so you you did all the things, chemo, immunotherapy, radiation, you had a double mastectomy. And I'm, I'm wondering how did you get through all of that, especially being a single mom and how old were your, was your child or children at this point? My kids were both in high school, so they were a little bit older. Uh, wait, no, my son was in middle school and my daughter was, had just started high school. So teens are hard. Teens. Yeah. Teens. And it, it, that was really and pandemic. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, I had my mastectomy in March of 2020, which wow. was right, right when the pandemic hit. Yes. So I did have I had a year's worth of chemotherapy. I had 20 rounds, lost all my hair, all of that. And I also had 25 rounds of radiation. And then I had a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction and the reconstruction was pretty rough. I had what's called a lat flap surgery where they literally cut your latissimus muscle from your back 
not all of it, but a piece of it on each side and then wrap it around to the front, which is what holds your breast implants in place. Because if not, you just have an empty pocket of skin and there's nothing to hold it. So yeah, the, the treatments were brutal. The treatments were brutal. And I attribute my good health going in to part of what helped me survive it because a lot of people, if they aren't in good health, cannot tolerate the treatments and have to end treatment early because their body just can't take it. So I was so grateful that I was strong and healthy going in and that I was able to tolerate all the treatments. And I made sure to do physically whatever I could, which sometimes was strolling out to the mailbox and back. (laughs) Sometimes it would be a little walk around the block, light stretching. And that I also did a lot of like detoxing because I was getting the chemotherapy. And I also had some conflict and trepidation about going through that because the idea of pumping your body with chemicals it's just the thought of it. I've avoided chemicals my whole life, eating organic and and then putting poison into my body was a hard thing to come to terms with. But I also had the HER2 positive, which like Vera said, they have amazing drugs for that particular type of cancer that are extremely effective. And HER2 positive six years ago or so was the worst. You did not want to, it's only 20% of the breast cancers are HER2 positive. Well, so, fortunately the immunotherapy actually I'm going through right now and the immunotherapy, yes. if you're listening and I mean, chemotherapy definitely is definitely targets the entire, all your cells and the fast growing cells, which is why you lose your hair you have taste issues that cells that turn over really fast get targeted. But the um, I felt yucky the first and second times I had um, Herceptin. I had it a couple of days ago and I felt totally fine. So it uses your body's own immune system to target the cancer cells and basically attack them and keep them from growing and proliferating. So it is, it is an absolutely amazing, amazing thing. So I'm so, you're such a, you're radiating health. Both of you look <laughs> so amazing when I see you now and on social. I'm curious of how did the cancer change you and make you stronger? Well, I really had to develop an eternal perspective immediately, almost immediately when I received the diagnosis. I'm a very spiritual person. I do believe in a higher power and a benevolent universe. And I always tell myself, everything happens for me, not to me. And I believe that we're put on this earth for our souls to teach lessons and to learn lessons and to grow stronger. And I had been through a divorce several years earlier after 17 years of marriage. And once I came out the others, it was such a, you know, it's, if anyone's been divorced, you know, it's a really tough thing to do, especially after that long and also having two kids. So I knew Once I had come out the other side, I was so much better for it. I was so much happier. I was so much more authentic. And I I drew on that to teach me, okay, this is another situation that I'm meant to be in. And I may not understand it. I may never understand it, but this is a place that I'm meant to be. And it is for the greater good. And, you know, that 
really helped me get through it. And the other thing was I really slowed down and got mindful and checked in with my body, which was something that I was guilty of not doing, even though I preach it. And I, <laughs> I don't always practice what I preach because I'm a type A perfectionist. You know, I'm always busy. I have a lot of anxiety and I stopped and I said, okay, so I'm thinking about writing a book. And if I do, it's going to be called, this is what my tumor told me because that was sort of the message in my head. What is this cancer trying to tell me? And the message was, you need to slow down. You have to slow down. This is what is affecting your health and you're not getting what you want out of life because of this busyness and this anxiety. Yeah, and I had a similar thing. I had to really grapple with my workaholism, which I've mm -hmm. managed to get under control for the most part. And thank you for sharing your strength and story and how you dealt. We have a couple of minutes left and I'd love to have Vera ask you a question. So Vera, let me get you to unmute if you have a question for Sarah. Sarah, <clears throat> Sarah thank you so much. That was so powerful. It's like, what can this cancer teach me, right? What do, what do I need? What does it need to, what do I need to learn from it? I love, 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 love perspective. Something that you and I both totally agree on is that importance of detoxification, which was probably the only reason I agreed to, to actually do chemotherapy because I knew that there were solid ways that I could detox. That is actually what I help my clients with immensely is how to detox from cancer during and after. So I'd love to know from you, uh, what was the one thing I know you mentioned taking breaks in between, but if there's a physical, like actually a, something tangible that someone can take with them for their a journey afterwards or during that you recommend for detox, getting those chemicals out of the system, what would you recommend? So I did several things. First of all was green juice. I made my own organic green juice, kale, cucumbers, lemon. I had, you know, a whole mix of, and of really great stuff that was super powerful antioxidant nutrients. I drank that every day. Also, I took detox baths with Epsom salts and um, uh, uh, baking soda. And I also would go for extra IV fluids after every chemotherapy. I would go for two or three days in a row, even though I hated to drag myself back there, but that helped flush it out. So I would say those three things. I also got Reiki and cranial sacral therapy. Oh, and, and walking. Walking was huge for stimulating the lymphatic system and getting things moving and flowing and, and and visualizing, visualizing those toxins just coming out of my body. <laughs> I love that. I have added to that uh, dry skin brushing, oil pulling, uh, tons of saunas, both traditional and infrared, and then certainly supplementation. I supplement with um, uh, citrus peel, uh, uh, pectin, modified citrus pectin, and then also um, chlorella, and then certainly green juice, which I'm fortunate to have a humongous garden. So thank you both for sharing. It, it has been such an honor to listen to you and to hear your journey. And I hope that those of you who've been listening have been inspired by Sarah and, and Vera. Vera, where can people reach you? Your website. It's the best Thank place. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. 
at Voracious Healing Instagram, at Breast Cancer Goddess TikTok, and then my website is breastcancergoddess.com. Breastcancergoddess.com. I have been there. Your videos are incredibly amazing and you have a fantastic sense of humor and I love to watch you dance. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Oh, yeah. And Sarah, where can people find you? My website is sarahaaswellness.com and you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Sarah Haas Wellness. And it's S-A-R-A-H H-A-A-S. So two A's and two, uh, two A's and an H after Sarah. So thank you both so much. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. I appreciate you being here. If you want to reach out to me, it's the midlifewhisperer.com. That's the midlifewhisperer.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to Rock Your Midlife. We hope this episode has helped you get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week and go rock your midlife.